dummy, 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 dummy. Hello, friends, and welcome to December. As I record this, it's actually the first of December, and we are in the countdown. If if you don't celebrate Christmas, if you celebrate another holiday. Uh, at the very least, I hope that you get some time off or you get some time spent with family or loved ones as we kind of count down uh, throughout this month to the new year. And hopefully, oh my gosh, hopefully by 2022, we will have some more positive things to be talking about because the last two years have been <laughs> a real you-know-what show. So I actually have something a little bit different that I'm going to talk about today I'm on my own and in this podcast, and I thought that I would tell you a little bit of a story about what happened on Friday. So Friday was a day off for my boys, and if you've been listening, you know that I have twin sons named Owen and Will, who um, are going to be turning 19 actually next month. I cannot believe it, but they'll be 19 in a month. So they had a PA day on Friday. So we were looking forward to a fun time. We were going to go to a local drop-in center, for lack of a better word. That's not what it is, but Autism Home Base Durham. If anybody knows it, if you don't know it, you're going to have to look it up because it's an incredible center for um, adults who have autism. Um, And it's it's they've got some great events. They've got a drop-in. Uh, anyway, you can learn more about it on their website and I'll include the link to their site on our show notes for this episode. So anyway, we were headed out to go to spend a couple of hours there on Friday and, um, in my rush to kind of get ready, I think I was showering well, I was getting breakfast going, I was getting everyone dressed and Owen had slipped off to the bathroom earlier and I knew he went but I didn't really mark the time but after a little bit of time I realized he hadn't returned and that's not unusual Owen spends quite a lot of time in the washroom to be honest um and I went down to check on him and it's there's a little bathroom off of my laundry room and I found Owen collapsed on my floor he was halfway in between the bathroom and the laundry room His pants were around his ankles. It was obvious that he had fallen. He had, you know, grabbed a dog blanket that was laying in the laundry room and covered himself up in it at some point. But when I got to him, he was unresponsive. And by that, I mean, he wasn't opening his eyes when I was calling to him. He wasn't moving. Um, I was terrified. So... Despite the fact that the boys have autism, we've never really had any major health incidents. They are not, um, they don't have seizure disorders. And, you know, in, you know, looking it up a a little bit in the last week since this happened, I have seen that their numbers are really high um, for people who have autism that also have a seizure disorder. And that there is a high percentage as well of those who actually develop it um, in adulthood or during or after puberty. So that is a concern. It's been on my mind. So when I found him the way I did, I didn't see any signs that he could have had a seizure. He did not. He hadn't bitten his tongue there. You know, there was no evidence around his mouth. 
Um, anyway, there's a couple of things that lead me to think that he had not had one. However, it's still in the back of my mind as a possibility because I can't, I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I tried to jostle him awake. I tried to shake him and then I got a little bit of movement and then typical Owen, he, he kind of opened a little bit of an eye and when he saw me, he just jumped up and that's very typical of Owen. When he's sick and down, it's like he, he wants to still be able to do what he normally does. And by nature, he's a very active, very active boy. Um, and he tried to jump up. And when he jumped up, um, I managed to get his pants up, but he took a step and his legs just completely gave out and he collapsed. And he collapsed over and over again, just as I was trying to get him out of the laundry room and up the stairs. So my immediate reaction um, was to just make a couple of phone calls, see if I could find someone nearby that could help me because I had both boys on my own and I knew I wasn't going to be able to get into the hospital with both boys by myself. Um, managed to track down my dad who sadly was on his way to go see my niece and pick her up so that she could have a fun um, little excursion and I ruined that by my dad having to turn around and come back because I couldn't get anyone else. So I called the ambulance. Now uh, you know, I'll get into this a little bit later, but I called the ambulance. By the time the ambulance arrived, Owen had perked up a little bit. He had been white as a sheet when I first found him. And when the ambulance attendants came, um, or EMS attended, attended, <laughs> I'm getting all flubbed up to my words here. When they arrived, um, he had perked up enough and then started vomiting. And Owen vomited for the rest of the day, I would say, but we made the decision not knowing still if it was a bug or if he was dehydrated or anemic and decided to go by ambulance to the hospital. So my dad stayed behind with Will and Owen and I had pretty horrific time, I would say, <laughs> in the experience of waiting to get seen by um, even triage. Um I know it's a busy time. In fact, it's a crazy time right now with COVID and, you know, before the holidays, it seems everybody's getting sick with colds and illnesses and bugs and whatnot. But we had the great experience with the uh, EMS, but as soon as they left us, um, we were kind of on our own. Well, we were on our own. And the woman who was working at the desk was a witch. And you know what? I'm not going to get into it again. Um, I'll just say that poor Owen, all he wanted to do was sleep, you know, in between bouts of vomiting. And in our wait, he kept rolling out of the wheelchair he was in and laying on the middle of the floor, which is disgusting. I don't know what other things we picked up in there because we were crowded in like sardines in the hospital waiting room. Um, but while he's lying on the floor, while he's puking, I have the woman at the desk, you know, completely not caring at all at what was happening with Owen while she's kind of barking at me to give me, you know, or give her the health card and whatnot. And if it were not for a fellow autism mom who I know from our community, who happened to be in the waiting room as a patient herself, she just jumped up and came to our rescue and helped out as a, an extra set of hands. Um, anyway, it, God love her. She honestly, Kelly, if you're listening, 
I love you. You are a lifesaver. She was so kind and helpful where the staff there were not in any way, shape or form. Not only that, they were going to leave the vomit on the floor and I had to tell them repeatedly to call someone to come and clean it up because people were going to walk through. It was just awful. It was awful. Anyway, we waited a long time and then finally made the decision that we were going to leave. By that point, I thought, Owen's got a stomach bug. That's what this is. And we are more likely to catch something while we're here if we just stay because there, we were just surrounded by people. There was no distancing that was able to happen whatsoever because of the numbers of people in there. Um, and I thought, I'll just take him home. So when I went to go check him out, Again, Owen fell out of the chair, laid on the floor, vomiting, vomiting, vomiting. The woman was ignoring me, talking to someone, you know, another co-worker and completely ignoring us. Although we stood at the glass and all I was trying to say was, we're leaving, take her name off the list. When another nurse came and saw what was happening and she jumped and basically said, no, 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 you're not leaving. Get back here. I'll find a bed right away for you guys. And she came to our rescue. Thank goodness. So after we were there for a little bit, we got a blood draw and um, were able to confirm, I guess you could say, not quite confirm, but that he was able to start drinking again. So he was hydrating. Um, we believe that he was anemic and that he caught some kind of a stomach bug, although we still had to watch out for any signs that it could have been a seizure. Not that we would see signs, but now I think I have to be a little more careful to make sure that I don't see signs of one. Because again, if for anyone listening that doesn't know, Owen is nonverbal, cannot speak a word, can't really communicate. So in times of illness, especially if Owen's in a bathroom and needs help, he doesn't tell, like there's no way to tell me. So, you know, often he'll bang on a wall or something, but Owen always bangs on a wall. So we don't know if that means come and help or if that just means I need to get some sensory feedback and bang, bang, bang. So all this to say, we came home. Owen was on the mend by the next morning. It's like it never happened. However, it really gave me a bit of a reality check. And I'll say that that experience really... Um, taught me a lot about what kind of things that I have been thinking about in the back of my mind, but haven't really figured out a solution for as I look ahead and look at how I'm going to care for these boys on my own um, and plan for their future because we are fastly approaching um, the end of the days where they have school in the daytime and somewhere to go. So it really is me 24-7 trying to figure out you know, a lot of things for them. So I thought what I would do is I just wanted to go over a few things that I learned or a few things that were highlighted for me. And what I'm going to ask is if anyone's listening, not to brush this off. And I'm sure you're bored. <laughs> I'm sure you're bored. But if you work with a person who has um, an intellectual or developmental disability, or if you're a parent of a person um, who has one, or if you are a neighbor, a friend, if you are someone who makes decisions, policy decisions, if you are, you know, someone who, you know, just, I guess, even has an opinion of me from a distance, 
and thinks, oh my gosh, what is she complaining about, you know? Or maybe you think that we're all just a bunch of whiners, um, you know, families that have uh, people to care for who have disabilities and you think that we get a lot given to us. I just want you to consider this not for sympathy, not even for compassion, but just maybe that you could take a peek at it and see if you could help us come up with solutions um, for some of the problems that we encounter. Because frankly, the at the end of the day, the biggest lesson I learned on Friday past was, holy F, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I don't know. I have kind of gone along in the last seven years on my own, um, single parenting the boys, that when there's a crisis, I reach out to the people around me. I reach out to their dad. I'm going to try and keep this nice, but I will say I do not have the support I need um, from their dad, especially in times of crisis, for sure. But I, I reach out to the people in my immediate circle. Well, here's the problem. My immediate circle is dwindling. It's down to a handful. I would say less than five people that I could call because we've just become so isolated. And that's Due to COVID, that's due to my own anxiety and my own issues, I would say, because I do have a lot of them, um, particularly with COVID and the risks out there. Um, but also just the fact that I'm home with them and it's getting harder and harder to go out into the community on my own with the boys as they're getting bigger, as Will is getting a lot more determined to do his own thing. Um, he's not aggressive with me, but he's definitely um, confrontational, I would say, and basically just tells me no. If he doesn't want to do something, the answer is no. And, you know, it's becoming harder and harder. So as that's happening, we're staying home more and more and more on our own. And I don't have any funding. I don't have any extra money to bring in any help. So because of that, we're on our own. There just aren't other people. And I may have friends and I may have support online, but I don't have people that know my boys well enough to just say, yep, I'm in. I can I can come and watch them for a couple of hours. So that's the real lesson I've learned. So I'll get back to my list here. So honestly, I think that one thing I recognized and for any parents, this might be something to think about. Um, I didn't have an emergency plan. Now that sounds really silly because you don't plan for an injury where you're calling an ambulance. But when you have multiple children, let alone multiple children with disabilities, there's no chance, like zero chance, that I would have been able to spend the day in the hospital and try to manage both boys while we sat there and waited. It would never have happened, ever. Um, and... I think more than anything, what I, I'm realizing as well is I've had a lot of crises in the past, maybe not medical ones, but runaways is the first one that jumps to mind. Will run has run away so often on me where he's broken out of the house, taken off. And when that's happened and say Owen is on a toilet, <laughs> I can't drag Owen off a toilet to come with me to hop in a car to go run after Will. And when you're in that panic, like blind white panic, I don't know who to call or what to do. And what this made me realize is 
I've got to have a list on my phone and I need to have a list on my fridge for other people as well that might happen to be in my home that tells me and tells them who to call in times of an emergency. So when I called my ex on Friday to ask if he could leave school and come as quickly as he could, um, he wasn't able to. And his suggestion was call a neighbor. Well, honestly, there's no chance in heck that I could do that because my neighbor next door is over 70 and he definitely doesn't know what to do with Will. The neighbor on the other side is over 80. She definitely couldn't help. My neighbors across the street were at work and none of them, I don't know any of them closely enough to dare even ask them you know, for butter (laughs) if I ran out, except for one neighbor who's wonderful, but they were at work. So, uh, you know, that's just not a possibility. So I've got to have my own emergency contacts. It's not just for schools. It's for me. Who do I know that really can be there in a pinch? And it's one thing to write their name down on an emergency contact list. It's another to know that they really are capable of stepping in to watch one of the boys if something goes awry. So that's the first thing that I learned. The second thing is that I really learned that I don't have a lot of people that can do that. And this has brought me back to the idea, I think I referred to it earlier on in a podcast, and I would like to revisit this in a a better conversation with people who know what they're talking about. But it's the concept of the circle of support. And I've touched on it so much in the past But I've let that circle dwindle. And my circle of support, I used to consider it a circle that was for us as a family. Um, And I refer to it when I think of the people who know our family well, who know what our goals are, who know what we're trying to achieve and what challenges we're up against. And they're people that I trust that I can share some of the highs and lows with. Well, again, those numbers are dwindling over the years. And it's my responsibility. It's it's fine and dandy to say that I don't have those people, but it's my responsibility to find some. I've got to build it back up somehow. So I do intend on making that a real goal for 2022, not just to reconnect with people and old friends because we're all getting older. Um, I need people with energy and with youthfulness that can handle kind of the the stress that comes with getting a phone call like that, you know, in a pinch saying, oh my God, I need help. Um, but I also need people who are willing perhaps to, you know, advocate for my boys, even if it means advocating against me, their mom. Um, and that circle of support is something that I'm going to, as I said, bring up in another uh, podcast episode one day. But that's definitely something that um, I realized the other day. So the next thing that really was highlighted is the fact that Owen did not have a way to communicate how he was feeling in throughout the course of the day. I had to read his eyes to tell whether he was in pain whether he was exhausted, whether he was, you know, um, going to do okay, or whether he was scared. And that really frightened me. Now, we're working hard um, with the school as well, that he can identify feelings. Um, And the other thing that we work on is to say, do you have an owie? I know it's very childlike. 
Um, but that's what he responds to. So Owen does know what an owie is and he will often pat his stomach if he's sick to his stomach. But anything more specific than that to ask him, do you have a headache? Do you have pain? Like I was thinking about it afterwards. He could have been having an, he could have had appendicitis. He could have had a gallbladder attack. There are a number of things he could have had and he wouldn't have known how to differentiate whether it was, you know, nausea or if it was pain, acute pain. And that's something that I'm going to have to really work on going forward somehow. Um, the other thing that um, I wanted to highlight about my day and just make as a suggestion if anyone finds themselves in the same situation I was in. I took a lot of photos that day. I took a lot of photos of Owen in the hospital. I took them of the hallway. I took them of him, frankly, even as he fell um, when I first found him. I took a picture once I realized I was going to get him up and he was responding to me. I took a photo because what I'm realizing, there's two reasons for that. When I'm asked by doctors or, you know, emergency staff to kind of retell the story of what happened, in my anxiousness and my anxiety and my, you know, stress, I go blank. Lately, I go blank. I am so frazzled and overwhelmed lately that I I can't keep track. And those photos actually help me. Um, they help me to kind of keep track of what goes on. And another more, more important thing is I took pictures of the ambulance and the doctor, you know, the experience of the office, or pardon me, the ER, because if it ever happens again, and Owen and Will are scared, I like to use those photos to show them and remind them that it wasn't scary, that, you know, they were doing, that the ambulance is not a scary thing. And the other thing I do is after the event, I also go over it so that we could talk about it. Of course, it's just me talking. Um, but with Owen in particular, I went over it to tell him, you know, you were so brave. I was so proud of you. When you had this done, when you got that needle, you know, do you remember? You were so brave. You didn't even cry. You, you know, whatever it might be. And it helps, I think, for him as well um, to kind of play it back. And I hope that it helps so that if there is another next time, um, his fears might be lessened. So the other thing that I learned um, was that I was actually kind of impressed with myself. Normally, I don't call an ambulance. Like I said, when Will runs away, I'm always, always thinking in the back of my mind, oh, I don't want to go through all the stress of calling the police, of doing this or that. I'm sure he's just, you know, I'm panicked, but I, I've always managed to find him. But I feel like we're living, you know, on our eighth, li eighth life and that we're approaching the ninth. And that might just be the time when I'm not so lucky and that I should have called the police, you know, when Will runs away. And the same goes for illness. It's like so often... I think about how hard it's going to be at the hospital and I'm constantly, you know, navigating or balancing out the pros and cons of should we go to the hospital? Should we go to the walk-in clinic? Is it worth it? You know, the benefits and risks. If we go, we might catch something from someone else who's more sick. Um, the benefits might be that we're just getting it documented so that 
a doctor sees us and knows, you know, kind of what we're going through. Because that's another thing I will say is that we avoid the doctor as much as possible, not because it's a bad experience, but just because it's so hard. It's a lot of work. And I don't like running to the doctor for every little thing with the boys if I don't need to. But I'm also recognizing that it's awfully hard to build a case with, that you need support or services when you don't have documentation. You don't have a you know, medical professional who can kind of say that they've observed and seen you and know that things are as hard as you tell them they are. So that's another thing that I'm realizing. So I'm, I'm really glad that I called the ambulance when I did. It, I'm so grateful it turned out to not to be as serious as I had feared. Um, but I'm glad I did because it, it matters and I can't keep risking something more serious happening. God forbid if it had been appendicitis and I ignored it, I don't know, you know, if I don't know how I would have found Owen the next morning. So aside from that, I also, I don't know what the solution is for this one, but it's about speaking up and asking for what you need. And I know that when you're in a hospital, especially, and you go through triage in an ER and, you know, you've got people kind of ignoring you. I think had I had a second person with me, one to watch Owen and one to actually speak with the staff there, I could have much better advocated for the need for us to have a place that was more appropriate for us to wait I'm not saying we needed special treatment. Nobody likes waiting in a waiting room. But I knew that when we were put into the waiting room, we were, that it was so overcrowded. And I knew Owen wasn't going to sit there. I knew he wasn't. I also knew he was vomiting. They didn't give us a puke bag. You know, I had to ask for that as well. Um, I really wish that I had had the foresight to say, is there another empty space that we can go to to wait before we're brought in um you know in the end ultimately what's so frustrating is that friend kelly she went and asked for me when she saw owen lay on the floor and was puking on the floor she went and found out that we could go right around the corner and there was an empty hallway with full of chairs that no one bothered to tell us that we could go to so that we could be a little bit more spaced out and away from disturbing other people um anyway speaking up and you know having someone help you especially during COVID I know that's even harder because I don't even know if they would allow two people to come with Owen um into the ER but anyway the the biggest win of that experience was that I am so grateful for the autism community and autism families and moms like Kelly that when they saw, when she saw what I was going through, she jumped up and helped. You know, there were, I don't know, I, I'm sure I saw at least 30, 40 people um, over the course of those few hours. And no one um, until the end offered even really a glance of, you know, understanding. Mind you, they're all going through their own thing. I'm not looking for help. But again, Kelly saved us not only did she save us but she left before we did and she went straight out and picked up soup and Gatorade and drove it to my house and left it at my house so that when we came home we would have that waiting for us like oh my gosh I love this girl it was just 
so thoughtful. And like she said to me, she said, Stacy, I get it. I get it. You need the help. I get it. And I'm just really glad, you know, there's that, um, I think it's like a, a meme or something that circulates on social media that shows, you know, I think it applies to anyone, but it's the idea that when someone is struggling or going through something difficult and they use the illustration of someone that's fallen into a hole and the person is at the bottom of the hole calling for help and, you know, different people around them are saying, well, I'll, I'll write about it. I'll, I'll see if I can get help for you by writing to a politician. And there might be someone else who says, oh, I'll send down some food for you. And then there's, you know, all these different examples of how people offer help. Well, it takes someone to really know because they've gone through the experience themselves. But those are the people that get in the hole with you and say, I'm here with you. I'm going to help you figure this out. And I'm grateful for those people. And I am so sorry that I am not able to do a lot of that myself. I once was, and I'm just not that same kind of support for other families or other people. But that's what I'm hoping to do with this podcast. Hopefully that you're getting little bits and pieces out of this that might help you um, if you find yourself in a similar situation. Lastly, I would say that the other thing that um, I recognized more than anything was, holy heck. How am I going to continue to do this for the next 40 years? And that is really the biggest question of all. One experience, one bad day highlighted all of the problems that I have right now in my life. Not all of them, but pretty much. There's, you know, not enough support in our life to make this family function the way it needs to, especially in times of crisis. Um, I don't have caregivers available and at the ready, nor do I have the money to pay a caregiver at the ready should I need them. I am tired. I'm getting older. I'm getting slower. I'm, you know, I don't have the energy. The me trying to pick Owen up off the floor was not easy at all. And that scared me because, God, if it had been Will, I never would have been able to get him off the floor. Um, But it just highlighted again, I'm aging and I'm getting older. And that's not to say my life is over and I can't do this for another 30 years. But it's reminding me that something's got to give. I have got to come up with some kind of plan to go forward. So... On that note, I'm going to end this episode by saying that I am on a journey of my own and the choose your own after, I'm at a crossroads right now. I am at a crossroads in our life where I've got to figure out what comes next. I've referred to it over the last 10 years. I knew the day was coming. I feel like I'm there right now. I'm at that precipice of we are either going to fall over the cliff and I don't know where we'll end up or I'm going to fulfill all the dreams that I have for the boys and providing a legacy for them by building up the community um, of people who are experiencing challenging things as my boys and I are. I really do want to help find a way to support other caregivers who are in a similar situation as I am and particularly 
the single parent caregivers who are looking to the future with no plan because there's no time to plan because we're too busy dealing with everyday stresses and financial stresses. That's what I need to do. So I think that in having this conversation on this episode, I'm hoping that someone out there might be listening who might want to join me in this little mission, this big mission. I'm not going to lie. This is a big mission. Who are you and where are you? Is this something that you're willing to kind of help and and contribute to the conversation? Because I would love to hear from you. I really would. Any ideas you've got, any thoughts you have, shoot them to me. You can find episode information um, in the show notes of wherever you watch this or listen to this podcast. You can also go to willowjack.com in the choose your own after podcast section um, to learn more and to follow some links about what we talked about. And you can also shoot me an email or a DM through social media on Instagram. Um, look up Willow Jack on Facebook and you can find you can find me. I'm easy to find. Find me, shoot me your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. I know I'm babbling. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm actually pretty riled up. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. Pretty riled up. I've got a lot swirling in my brain. I just know that I'm at that point where something's got to happen. I've got to make this happen. Would love your thoughts. All right. Next week, we will come back with a bit of an interview um, with someone special. Hopefully, it'll, it'll happen that way. If you know of someone or if you would like to be a guest, actually, on the Choose Your Own After podcast, let me know that as well. And I'd love to talk to you about it. All right. Hope you have a great week. I'm going to do my best to have a good one too. And we will talk to you soon. Take care. This has been a Willow Jack podcast, Choose Your Own After, released on December 2nd, 2021. Hosted and produced by Stacey Haley, sound effects by William Haley, and edited by Liz McClelland. As a postscript to this episode, we would like to apologize for the audio glitches, but as promised, we will never be perfect, but we will always be real. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh, yeah.